talking about movies that you once thought sucked, but now you realize that they rock. They might still suck. Fear and Loathing Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast. What a wonderful episode we have for you today. We're going to be flying high in the sky with (laughs) a bunch of baddies. I am Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by Preston Barta and Dan Moran. And we are doing the movie from 1997. The one that starred Nicolas Cage, the one that starred John Malkovich and directed by the guy, the legend who made Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up music video. What? Simon West. And it is called Con Air. So without further ado, I'm going to have to introduce myself, Brian, the Hawaiian. Everybody gets laid and murdered. And with us, Preston, Pony Boy, Barta, the man, the environmentalist who likes to blow up those polluters. What's up, bud? I'm ready to take the bunny back out of the box. And we just picked up our man from the airfield, our criminal. What, what What's this criminal's name? I'm Darkroom Dan. I take all sorts of photographs after I take care of you. <laughs> dog, okay, so, so real quick aside, when I was in seventh grade, no, fifth grade, um, I was in journalism class and we had a dark room, you know, and um, a girl kissed me in there. And you know, when you're a guy and you're in like fifth grade, you listen to your friends. My friends were like, don't tell anyone you kissed her. She's ugly. You need to tell everyone you jerked off in there. So I was called Darkroom Dan for like a, I was called Darkroom Dan for like a solid year because my friends were like, don't tell anyone you kiss her. Just say you went in there and watched porn. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that well, was... <laughs> Darkroom Dan's a fantastic name though. It is Darkroom Dan. Yep. Brian the Hawaiian, Darkroom Dan, and Press and Pony Boy Barta. I feel like this is a smoking aces name too. It sure yeah. is. Oh, it's so good. So, yes, we're talking about Con Air 1997. Uh, of course, Jerry Bruckheimer, part of it. It was a Nicolas Cage vehicle. And it's a movie that hates Corvettes. We're going to get into it, basically. <laughs> so, um, Con Air, you all have seen the memes. You've all seen the gifts of Nicolas Cage's character, Poe, with his long flowing hair. And you all remember the plane flying into the hard rock casino in vegas um 1997 i was 15 years old this movie was made for me strictly uh i was 15 everything was fucking awesome like the lego said but this no lego movie this is just hardcore ridiculous absurdity and i loved every second of it in the theater i love nick cage i in this you had Dave Chappelle before he was basically Dave Chappelle. It had so many people and it became where I fell in love with John Malkovich for real. Uh, I, I really liked, I really loved it. Uh, Dan, do you remember seeing this? Absolutely. This was, so I was about 12 years old and this was the height of my dad had shown me uh, like I had gone and seen face off and, you know, I had seen mission impossible 
So it was like right in the craze of like T2 was one of my favorite movies. I know that was from a few years earlier, but I was right in the phase of like, it's an action movie and an action vehicle. I'm there, 100% there. And I remember seeing this in the theater and being way too young to see it in the theater in retrospect, Mm -hmm. probably. But it's not the sexual stuff as much as just like, it's really, really crass. (laughs) And I forgot how just like, dirty and gross all of the prisoners are at all times <laughs> so um yeah yeah it, i remember it i love it i still remember watching it all the time when it came out on vhs and dvd thank you dark room dan pony boy what you got <laughs> to say about first time seeing this uh i believe i saw it in theaters so this might be my first rated r movie that i saw in theaters because i was seven at the time so when dan was going through like t2 and con air like those are those were the my introduction to rated r movies like hard r stuff that's huge that's huge do you remember anything from seven years old and watching this yeah, yeah, I remember walking around in the theater and just being entranced by the poster <laughs> of seeing like Ving Rhames oh. like hold out his arms on the cover like uh like Bad Boys 2. I guess there's your Jerry Brockheimer look for you. Um the poster even aesthetically looks a lot like uh Armageddon's poster. Um but yeah, I remember um very much remember John Cusack's part. I think I was kind of scared of him. Uh, just the name really? alone, just the name alone of Cyrus the Virus and him uh, flicking that cigarette in that one scene and burning that guy alive. Um, just his overall intensity. But now, like when I watch it, I just find him deliciously satisfying. So, um, yeah. I, and I think the movie's still great. I think it, there's some a few moments here and there where you're like, oh, no. <laughs> but I think overall, it's still a immensely satisfying movie. It is. It is. You know, you're trying to figure out, you know, if this movie were made today, but it's like it's peak 1990s, 97. Oh. This is the movie. And they tried, Ryan. I, I know they, they did. This, try. They tried this year with Plane. And they just couldn't. <laughs> they, they, just, they just couldn't. But I mean, honestly, they couldn't figure out how to make it fun. They put a prisoner on a plane, had him crash on an island with with a bunch of people. Who cares how many they kill? And they were like, we're going to figure out a way to make this plot not fun whereas Conair was like it's the 90s this is going to be amazing we're going to make it so fun see i thought plane was really good and and not as fun as Conair because Conair it has like things like the word ebonics is in the movie and i was like man i forgot about the word ebonics like i completely uh-huh. forgot about that um yes. until i watched this that, that was a whole thing back in the day but i think it would i mean Plane didn't have Jerry Bruckheimer, didn't have the budget that this does. And it, it you take all of these insane, absurd characters and you put them all in a confined space. Fun things are going to happen. And then you have this ridiculous superhero in Nick Cage. It's just amazing. And so I want to say, coming to it now... Like maybe it didn't made sense back in 1997, but like that first opening scene where Nicolas Cage's character, Cameron Poe, comes home from the war. He's a decorated war hero and he's seeing his wife and three guys at the bar try to start a fight with him and actually try to kill him with a knife. And he defends himself, punches a dude once and he dies 
And then he gets put away for 10 years for it. Like, I feel like that would not fly today in a court. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but I'll, I'll refer to my other lawyer, Dan. What do you think about this? Let me just chime in here real quick. That is the most absurd part of this movie. And yes, this is a movie where they land a plane twice, mind you, with a bunch of criminals. And one time it's on the Las Vegas Strip. But the most ridiculous part of this entire movie is to, one, have your hands essentially registered as weapons. Hilarious. Still (laughs) plays to this day. Makes me laugh. Number two, he's outnumbered in a conservative state as a war hero where men come at him with a knife and he's defending the honor of his wife and it was a one punch. He didn't stay on top of him and keep hitting him. He would have he wouldn't have even been arrested in real life. <laughs> and that's why like I understand we have to get to the premise of the movie. We got to get him on the plane. But rewatching it last night, my lawyer brain kicked in. I go, this is just I mean, this guy's a this guy's a hero. Like this would be the biggest Mm-hmm. Uh, no chance this would ever happen he's like aware. fuck around and find out type of situation <laughs> we would applaud him if it happened in real life every one of us Pre- preston what do you think about this scene like do you think it's just for the movie or do you think like you they could have handled that better like i don't know like like he's going away for six months you know something like that i don't know yeah it's 100 percent for the movie um that it's all the only way that kind of makes it like you can skip past the logic of that is the guy from that we were just talking about uh, before we started recording Brian the guy that's in son-in-law who's like the bartender guy yes. that comes out there it's just it's him saying this guy's dead like he's dead and like that just him saying it that way makes it seem like oh shit he killed him Oh, that's wrong. And so that that's that's what sells you into believing the rest of the movie. I, I but that's what you get to appreciate about it, a nineties movie. No one cared about this. And now with my twenty twenty three poisoned brain of needing to have backstory and understand everything, I'm watching it like, oh, this this doesn't make any sense. Now I'm like, he should have just been to a military tribunal and maybe he had to go and that was his only ride back to surprise his family. And he said, I'm a veteran. I'll ride on this plane with you. We serve together. And that's how he gets on there. Um, Like in my head, I'm like rewriting the script for it to make sense when really just get him on the damn plane. Yeah, it takes place really soon. And that brings me to another aspect. I want to talk about this because we all we the three of us. The Hawaiian pony boy in dark room. We love Nick Cage. We love Nick Cage. In this movie, before this film, he was in a movie called Raising Arizona, where he had an like a southern accent almost. In this movie, it feels like it's laid on super thick. And it always makes me laugh in the scene that was right after him going to jail and when he's in jail the montage when he's writing letters the accent is so thick and funny that i can't help but laugh the entire time oh it's i love it i I love everything about his accent i love that he just that's what we call an actor's choice and you just gotta respect it (laughs) (laughs) Preston, what do you think about this it, I mean, it fits his wardrobe and his whole look of like it's him fair. doing uh, the tiger push-ups in the jail cell. Like I thought that was cool when I was a kid, and I kind of dug his whole look of this like very southern long-haired look with the wife beater shirt and uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it fits. Like him oh. saying, "Put the bunny back in the box," and the way that he does it, 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 it all works for me. 
he's a he's a genius. I contend there's never been there's never been a bad Nick Cage film. There's only been poor Nick Cage movies around him. <laughs> like he's always just he commits one hundred percent, no matter how over the top and ridiculous it is, and he just draws you in. And I'm right there with you, Preston. Everything about his accent, it's instant. You make fun of it, but at the same time, you love it. Like I'll make yeah. fun of it for this entire podcast, but I love everything about his accent. Yeah. And I love I, I have to go back to his hair again because I'm I, I think about the pictures of him as Superman because he had that hair and like you were so close to getting a Superman with that hair, maybe. Can you imagine Superman Nick Cage with that long flowing hair? Like, I mean, we've seen pictures, but I'm just trying to th- I, I can't even imagine without what voice the- would he have done? <laughs> done a southern kryptonian voice i don't know put the bunny back in <laughs> put the kryptonite back in the box yeah. oh boy uh yeah no it's crazy to me it's it makes me laugh it's funny um so let's talk about one of our favorite actors as well um cyrus the virus um the john malkovich uh role john malkovich i love john malkovich i think john malkovich could be intimidating in real life but i feel like he's a sweetheart and he is one of the funniest guys in the world his delivery is so goddamn good in everything he enunciates enunciates so well and in this movie He's so vicious and gross, but his enunciation of words and how he talks about things is like syrup on pancakes. It's so sugar oh, funny. It's it's perfect. He he everyone who's in this movie understands what movie they are in. And that's <laughs> why it works as a whole. Like Malkovich is just like there is not one piece of scenery that he did not gnaw on in this movie. He is just like, I am having fun with this and I am going to do what I want in this in every single scene and it's beautiful. It's just great. It is. Yeah. Preston, uh what is your favorite um John Malkovich line in the movie? Oh god. Um Sayonara for sure. Um but then I just kind of like how he makes it seem like things are going to go somewhere even more intense than they really are. And he has like some sort of interaction with Cameron Poe where he says, you know what my daddy taught me? What's that? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Self-educated man. <laughs> and, <That> was- <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I, I think he, just like you said, like he's very good with his delivery. He brings like a funny intensity. Like he just fully commits to the part and uh, I also love when he when they're doing the p- plane transfer and they're picking up those prisoners and they pick up my favorite character in the film Swamp Thing, and then <laughs> and then they he's like posing as a guard talking to the other guys trying to you know have their lingo so they don't uh, notice anything with the during the transfer and he's like spitters and shitters or something like that <laughs> and and it's uh yeah it's just great so yeah his, I know. His, his his commitment is just what really makes it great it is and i love like his analogy or like his things that he says to people like when he says to danny trejo if your dick jumps out of your pants you jump yeah. out of this plane or when right. he's 
talking to like the the pilot in the cockpit if you allude to us taking over the plane the last wings you will see will be the flies surrounding your rotted corpse, corpse. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like he's like a master thespian and how he talks and delivers each syllable it's crazy good and I, um, and I also love I also love his character from the standpoint of we all know he's a terrible murderer the worst scumbag in the entire world but he's like there will be no raping on this plane he it's had to draw like, a line somewhere he yeah did. it just always cracks me up when they do that in action movies where it's like listen this guy may have killed 37 people he may have taken over a plane his whole goal may be to be able to fly this plane into a casino I know that's not the point but and then murder 80 other people but guess what he respects women he respects women. <laughs> it's yeah. so great. It is funny. So let's let's talk a little bit about Holmiany, which is Agent Malloy, who's the DEA agent, and John Cusack, the U.S. Marshal Vince Larkin. Those two. So you have John Cusack, who's not really born to be an action star, um, but he works here for somewhat, and he's like he he knows like the good path and it seems like the dea agent again dan being the lawyer if that dea agent pulled any of this shit in real life <laughs> i feel like he would be imprisoned right oh yeah of course of course of course but over the years what i've done is i have learned my like sneaky second or third favorite part of this whole movie is everything john cusack does yes he's in a very very fun movie like i remember back when i was a kid watching it on vhs or something I'd be like, okay, we got to get through the Cusack scenes. Like, all right, let's get back to the plane and see all the fun people. And now I'm just cracking up at because Cusack's having a blast too. And I think it took me to be have a little bit more exposure to Cusack and just see the role he's playing in this. He's having just as much fun as John Malkovich, just in a very different way. Yeah, and, and I love that. Yeah. What What do you think about that, Preston? Do you think John Cusack is just fun driving the cars and running around, getting blown up here and there, and then? you know, creating a tag team with Nick Cage at the end of the movie on motorcycles. Yes. Oh my God. I almost forgot about that part. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he's really good. I feel like John Cusack has always kind of had this sort of presence about him where he's really good at playing like these kind of quiet roles, but um, here, like he's so good at like, he can sniff out people's bullshit but he does it in a way that's kind of fun and so like him at the when the when the plane lands and they're trying to get everything together and all the police cars are coming and he drives over in the corvette just like all those little moments that he has even with poe um when they first get introduced to each other is uh it it just he's just he just really does that 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 sort of part really well. Um, I don't know how else to describe. It. I feel like Dan just kind of hit the head uh, the nail on the head, but yeah, I, I I loved him in this part, especially as adult. Like you said, I, I think it's it's the part that I kind of cling to uh, the most, aside from some of the Swamp Thing. Who uh, I just so why is Swamp yeah. Thing your favorite character? Swamp Thing, you know, uh, yeah. you saw him in Sideways. You see, yeah. You've seen him in a bunch of things, but that Swamp Thing is the pilot, the prisoner pilot who can drive and fly anything. Why this is, is this he... is this is Preston Corner? 
every 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 podcast we need to have a thing where Preston likes something obscure. And in this one, I fully agree with him, but I love to know why. I, I'm so excited for this. Honestly, I'm so thrilled. I um I love MC Ganey. I think he's a underrated uh character actor. And this part with his whole look, his mustache, his long hair, like just immediately seeing him on screen during that transfer scene that I was alluding to earlier, like I just he has this presence in the way that he delivers his lines and the the facial expressions that he has in the cockpit. Um it just just exudes this type of energy where I feel like I know that guy and I love that guy. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wish he had a bigger part to play and I, and I kind of feel like he kind of fizzes out toward the end. Um, and I wish he had a more epic, uh, demise, but I really enjoyed him for what he has. Like even when he's standing there, because I think he's the one that has the the cigar, the cigarette in his mouth when Cyrus grabs it to burn that dude that kind of betrayed them or was betraying them. Yeah. Um, and he just kind of has this like coolness about him that I really gravitate towards. Um, so why do you yeah. think he was called Swamp Thing? Tall dude. I don't know, man. Tall, mossy, swampy dude. <laughs> what if he was just always wet? Like he was just always sweating. <laughs> sweating. Probably. I do love like the one of the funniest death scenes to me is for sure his death scene. I was like, oh, he, he, you, you're not going to shoot him. You're not going to chop him up with the axe. You're just going to put the fire hose in the fire engine and just turn it on. And he just freaks out like, oh, God. Yeah. That that made me laugh. Um, also, let's I mean, let's talk about. One of the biggest uh, people, Dave Chappelle, is in this movie as Joe Pinball Parker before Dave Chappelle really took off. And I mean, his part's not memorable per se. I mean, you like him in here and he has some funny little one liners here and there, like his stuff with um, with the guy he sets on fire at the beginning. Your breath smells like shit. Yeah, there's there's some pretty funny things in there. But uh, Dave Chappelle's in this. Um, what about what about the weird guy Steve Buscemi? Oh, oh man! Like so, is it, so like in this movie, you have all these prisoners, and then like midway through, Jerry Bruckheimer's like, "Wait, we need to add more fucking crazy prisoners. Let's stop somewhere and add more." And then in comes you know like the Silence of the Lambs guy with the mask, and it's Steve Buscemi, and allegedly he just is out of control but he's like yeah. the most in control person on the plane That's what I was the say. Most... somehow go, go ahead, go ahead i was gonna say he's the most likable prisoner yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he, he has that he he says the lines that make the most sense where you're like huh that's kind of poetic like when he was talking about uh you know when they're playing uh sweet home alabama and he yeah. says that, that that line about like ironically we're listening Definition to the song irony. Yeah, definition of irony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Winter Skinner died on an airplane. Yeah. He is, and and this is another thing, like just like the Husack thing. When I was 12 years old, I didn't realize what he was doing or accused of doing. So like yeah. when I was a kid and he was like just doing tea with that little girl, I was like, man, this guy's such a weirdo. I hope he doesn't. And then it's like, now I watch him like, oh my God, this guy is just like a child rapist murderer or whatever. And it's so much more disgusting and like um, uncomfortable. Everything he says and everything he does with the, with the tea party and whatnot. But somehow, once again, 
he's the most likable prisoner. <laughs> like, and you say th- and you say this that he's the most likable prisoner, and yes, he is. And who is alive in escape out of anybody at the end of the movie? It's yeah. him. Yeah. He's which yeah. rolling craps dice at the casino. Like and I, I and I think he, that's he what gave it up. Yeah. I think that's what makes him kind of more scary toward the end when it all kind of settles in a little bit is just like, you know, when you watch movies like that, that one or even documentaries on, um, God damn it. What's the name of that? Uh, Ted Ted Bundy, like how he was like a charming kind of guy and like, everybody's like, Oh yeah. Like, so uh, it it does uh, humor me a little bit that all the interactions that he has with Poe, like Poe's like, I, I I'm on to you. Like I I know I have nothing. I want nothing to do with you because your name is the Marietta Mangler, um, <laughs> and so uh, yeah. What, what makes that tea party scene so crazy is the way that they they shoot it. They make it oh. seem more intense, and I think that's with like these like fisheye lenses or how close up they get on the girl and just the mystery it's... of him is uh, kind of what what makes him a very interesting oh, it's yeah it's such an uncomfortable scene well yeah even, because when even, you it, you're introduced to him he is like the hannibal lecter he's like he's the yeah. one that's the most guarded he has the thing you're like dude he's gonna eat somebody he's gonna tear out somebody's entrails and then like kind of almost the next scene is him with this little girl and there's like nobody around to stop him for what he's about to do and they play it with that song that's creepy as shit and he you can see him having his his dilemma, his his contradiction in his mind about do I murder this little girl or do I just walk away? Do you remember the homage uh, that the movie The New Guy made? Do you remember that movie? I do the remember new The New Guy, the DJ Qualls, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he when he first gets to the new school, they like try yes. to make him seem like he's like this hard ass dude uh, yes. that's been through some stuff, and he comes. Uh, <laughs> He comes to the school in the same way where they pull him. <laughs> they they yep. take him. He's wearing the same exact mask and he's kind of scrawny, just like Steve Buscemi is. Uh, oh, yeah, that's so good. good. I totally forgot about that. Um, but no, like yeah. it. Another another actor though, and Steve Buscemi, who knows knows what movie he's in. Yeah, that's just like just hey, let's have some fun, boys, and and it's just great. I love everything about it. And watching this again, when they're going through the criminals' names and what they did before they get on the plane, when they get to Ving Rhames' character and they say, like, oh, yeah, he's part of, like, the the black gorillas, like Black Panthers, and he he blew up an NRA uh, party because they, hated, uh, because they hated black people. And, like, today, you're just like... Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was so I, that's what his crime. I was like, oh, he should absolutely be in jail. But at the same time, it's like, I personally, I'd feel kind of safe around him because I'm not going to do any of those things that deserve to get me blown up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fist bump, man. Yeah, yeah fist bump. Uh, so that was that was pretty funny. And then, um, what did you like about? So there was like, there's. Very Spielbergy moments in this movie, even though it's rated R, it's actiony. But the Spielbergy moments, like when the plane crashes into the casino and the slot machine goes seven 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 and you know hits, you know, like the yeah. jackpot. Or, um, oh man, what was the other one that really made me laugh? I'm trying to remember. 
that, that casino. Went but there, there was a few moments where it seemed like Bruckheimer was like, we got to have some like little fun, like maybe parents and their kids are coming to this and they have like this little like cheesy but funny moment. But there's a lot of that in here. And I think those little moments make the movie. Yeah. Absolutely. I think yeah, I, think- I, I don't know. I don't know even what to add to that. Like I fully agree with you. Like it's like it's in the- uh, like when the when they put that location device inside that other plane, and then you see like people kind of like waving, waving. Yeah, like the grandmother. Jets, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when those jets come by and they're about to blow them up. You know, like, oh my god! Yeah, that's kind of like a sweet little moment kind of thrown in there. Yeah, it's a little comedic, like little moment and like to go back to you dan plane didn't have anything like that like little silly like little fun moment that's like oh yeah you know like i feel like spielberg that's came aboard one like, day what, like the husband and wife bickering in the car when pinball falls right on top of no them. right so that was the other one i was thinking of it's like you know, bickering in the car and they're doing they just craziness comes down on them and it's like that would be a that would be in a spielberg movie for yeah. sure it's it's because I, I mean, I, I think we are learning slowly but surely on this podcast. There was a time where movies leaned into the genre and the absurd premise of their film to, in order to deliver more entertainment. And and I think that this movie, again, is another example of it. They could have made this movie into like a hard boiled, really dark movie with nothing to smile about, you know, and, and they didn't. They were like we've got Nicolas Cage and a wife beater with long hair and we have all these other actors who are all game to just have so much fun on a plane set for the next six to eight weeks. Like we're shooting this bad boy. It's great. So I want to tell you, Oh, go ahead. Preston. I was going to say it must, it has to be a Jerry Brockheimer thing to bring those little flavorings in there because he does it in Armageddon too, with Eddie Griffin at the very beginning where it's like this whole little like, interaction that he has with that that store owner guy with the little dog and then so it's just like a that was only like a minute but it felt like it lasted for so long and so like the little interaction in the car or, the bickering yeah, or, gone, or gone in 60 seconds yeah. yeah yeah or like gone in 60 seconds like all these movies could they're all Bruckheimer movies but they all could be so self-serious where it's the end of the world and we have to put these guys on the asteroid to blow it up oh my goodness you know we have to steal these cars or else his family's going to be murdered and instead they're like this is fun this is getting yeah. us to the genre we want and we want people to walk out of it being entertained not being like well that wasn't very fun so it's just different 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 so I want to hear you guys' reactions, uh, what you have to say when I say the next fact about this movie. Okay. The cinematographer of this movie was David Tattersall. And after this movie, he went on to be the cinematographer for Star Wars Episode One, Episode Two, and Episode Three of Star Wars. Huh. Okay. Keep cashing yeah. in checks. Good for him. <laughs> Stack, stack that money. Somebody man. has stack the high money. ground somewhere. I'm just saying. There you <laughs> go. Him. Stack that money. I'm happy for him. No, I that's mean, that's so- huge. Yeah. Yeah. Some, like, do you shots. think like George Lucas like watched Con Air and was like, fuck yes, we need this guy? Probably. I wish he did. 
I mean, when you think about it, it's a plane flying and like to cities. And then you even have that famous shot. Maybe Lucas was like, oh, my God, they crashed it. And it made it look so real in 97 crashing on the strip. And even when the plane had the Corvette hanging on the back of it for back then, that was genius. So I'm curious if that was like that strike Lucas's fancy was like, yeah, we got to get that guy from Con Air. I like to think that these big time directors, like even like someone like Lucas isn't as big as some others, will watch movies like Con Air and be like, damn, that's a good shot. Like, that is so fun. And like, find out who the people were behind it and, and or go and watch. You know, like, I love, I love, love, love the thought of it always cracks me up when that list comes out of um, who is it? Soderbergh mm-hmm. um, keeps a track of every single thing he watches, like all year. And you'll be like, He'll be like, below deck, two episodes, finished Anna Corinna, and then I watched Paddington 2. And it just like, you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> oh, no, it's Fincher. Fincher does it. Fincher always watches Fincher, who is like such a meticulous psychopath. It'll always be something funny on his list where you're like, he watched reality TV and then like a children's movie. <laughs> and it's like, this yeah. is David Fincher. But I'm sure he's like, man, the craft and how they did this is so brilliant. And it just... I really hope that that's how this guy got that job from Lucas. That Lucas was sitting in a on a Burbank uh, screening room and was just like, "Man, that guy shot the shit out of this movie." I like right. to think that he also also saw Theodore Rex in 1995, and that might have sealed the deal too. But it looks like he shot some of the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones in 1995. Oh. So. Uh, in 1992 to 1993 with the the Chronicles TV show. So that probably what was there. That probably helped. Yeah. yeah. Con Air yeah. got it for him though. Okay. So talk, let's talk about the famous song. How do I live? How do I live? And it plays at the opening of the movie <laughs> and yeah. it plays it's- at the end. The book ends and it just, I mean, Leanne rhymes, God bless her native to Texas native to north texas uh i don't know i like this song i played it last week on the radio show i like this song but does it go well with this movie it, absolutely uh, yeah yeah it's so it funny does. story um that song is the song between my mom and i like we oh, that was sweet so oh, that's we, sweet that that was my uh when we danced together at my wedding that was our song together were you in, were uh, you in a wife beater with long hair <laughs> no no i should have i wonder I, it probably it probably was uh us watching this movie and being like oh that song's so great it was like i uh, love that yeah um I love that. please tell me when you were dancing with your mom at your wedding y'all both like said con air man <laughs> no no man it was it was us driving around in her car and listening to it on tape because i had a tape that just had i think just that song on it and so yeah they used would, to do that yeah um, so I- yeah. I want to say that. that we have to call this movie not Con Air, but the Academy Award nominated Con Air because it was nominated for two Oscars for Best yeah, Song yeah. and Best Sound. It didn't win both, which is bullshit. But <laughs> this, I mean, it's this was Con Air was nominated. And I'm going to ask you a question, both of you, and we'll start with Preston. Um, why do you think this movie has a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes? Because it has a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. And, you know, being in this business that we're in, Preston and Dan, we're, but we both have reviewed movies. We've both been published. We've, we've all been published. Um, we have come across 
colleagues in our profession that just hate movies. Like they hate <laughs> fucking movies. And I can't imagine watching this at any age and not having a blast with it and giving a poor review. So talk with me. Why do you think it has a 58%? I it, like it, it's so there's a lot of movies that we've talked about and they may have like 10 reviews on here. This one has 71. So it's fair game to say like, okay, people obviously didn't like this movie or maybe maybe it could be like they liked it but you can't justify giving it a positive score i don't know what their thoughts are about that um I, i've seen some people do that where they think hey yeah you know um jumanji 3 uh, the next level um because i'm kind of guilty of doing this i gave it a rotten score and now i think that movie's awesome and i need to go back and change my score but i i was thinking at the time um yeah you know the movie's fun but it just kind of disappointed me to the compared to the first one um so i don't i don't know maybe that could be their mentality going in or do you think uh, they're trying to compare it to other things they saw could, like could like be. this mean, is no good fellas well of course it's no good fellas you know like it's like you have to go in and you have to review i think the movie what it is right like even deep blue sea has is fresh <laughs> It does deserve have so, and, 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 and those movies are kind of like neck and neck. Uh, I would say Con Air is better. <laughs> Dan, why do you think it has a fifty-eight percent? Listen, I, I, it took me several years to realize that at the end of the day, movies are trying to entertain you. And I know that sounds really stupid and immature of me, but there was a time where I would be like, "This movie isn't delivering what I expected and what I wanted from it, and therefore, it's not a good movie." And to take what it is, and I think that there are so many critics that are just like, this movie is not speaking to my childhood or what I read about its production or how it's going to set up the next thing or comparison instead of like what you said, just watching the movie and deciding whether or not was this fun or not? Was it, did it entertain me? Was it worth an hour and 45 minutes of my time? Which at the end of the day, is all people are looking for in their reviews. Um, I don't know anyone who's like reading. I know critics read other critics, but I don't know any mom, mom and dad who are like, I got to see if I'm going to read the super, go take my kids to see super Mario. And they're like, really butchers the voice cast in the building of the world that you would expect from the 1980 video. It's like, <laughs> no, did it kill an hour and 28 minutes with your kids? And was it entertaining enough for the family is the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think people do enough of that in general. And I think that this movie clearly suffers from it. Cause like you said, Brian, unless I, I click through some reviews to see if like maybe, um, not glamorizing, but maybe the sadistic nature of the crimes of the criminals maybe turns some people off. Like I was expecting to see someone being like, you know, it was trying to have too much fun with these disgusting people. And it just didn't really work for me. Completely respectable opinion. But most of the people were just like, this bad thumbs down and i was just like how explain to me how it is bad it is objectively not bad objectively it is not a bad poorly made film poorly shot poorly acted subjectively you can say it didn't work for you but yeah. you got to tell me why and and i think that what we're finding is some of these older genre movies that are literally built to entertain large swaths of audiences i think the critics are just out of touch with a lot of them 
No, yeah. I think I think so too. It's and it's it's sad to see where I I know I, Preston and I run into this all the time where there's just so much negativity about movies and Renfield, it, for instance, man. Yeah. No, yeah, Renfield's rotten. How I gave that a four point five out of five. Like <laughs> that movie's awesome. And uh it's I don't know. I guess when I was younger, you know, like in since 1992, I have been saying my favorite movie of all time is Army of Darkness. I mean, even at Critics' Choice Awards, when I go to LA and I talk to other critics and they oh, ask me what my favorite movie, I say Army of Darkness, and they're shocked. Like they're just like, "What?" And I'm like, "That is the best movie still ever made." I like to have fun at the movies. I mean, I like the serious stuff too. I like, but I'm I'm going into and I'm not comparing things, you know, unless you know you're doing a remake or a sequel. But you you can't judge something like yeah. Con Air with something, you know, like Goodfellas or the, Titanic of that year. Yeah, Titanic of that year. You just you can't. You it's you got to go in and have some fun and let your guard down a little bit. So I don't know. Con Air is amazing. Uh, it's. And, it, and I, I hate to say it, but I think it's stuck in its time. Like, I want a movie like this now. <laughs> yeah. And Dan said it. Fucking plain. Like, and I think they're doing a sequel to plain, and maybe they are going to lean into that funness of plain too. But, oh man, I, I don't know. Con Air is great. We still, we all love Con Air, right? Yeah. Like there's a there's a quote that I a little blurb that I found on Rotten Tomatoes from this uh, critic for Keith in the movies that says Con Air never takes itself too seriously. It knows how preposterous it is and doesn't try to be anything other than a wild ruckus popcorn entertainment. And sometimes that's all I'm in the mood for. There you go. There that's you it, go. man. It's like uh, critics need some schooling on. Hey, get going into this movie. No, don't don't compare it to this apples and oranges type of scenario, dude. Um, just just know that right away when you're watching the movie, you know what kind of movie it is. It's it's definitely very goofy. Like when we were talking about the, the Leanne Rhymes song, I was like, the whole purpose of that song in the movie is to make you feel the romanticism between him and Monica Potter's character, because otherwise there's no development there other than just looking at each other lovingly uh, at the very beginning in the bar and that, and that's it. And so, uh, yeah, that, that, that there, there's like little cheap, quick little things that they do to make you feel something in the movie, but you're not feeling the same types of feelings in this movie as you would in something like Titanic of that year or something. Um, when did this movie, I know I'm about to run out of time, but when did this movie come out? And, 1997. Uh, and it was, what time uh, year? that's what I'm looking, uh, 1997, June 6th, middle of summer. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I, I mean, it, it cost $75 million. It made close to 250. So it made a lot of money. Yeah. So no, it's not a sequel. <laughs> I wish there was. I'm being I'm being dead serious. How how if you almost double your budget and you're Jerry Bruckheimer, how do you not make a second one? Why did they not make a yeah, I agree. They they needed Con Air too. Bring back Cameron Poe. He's 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 put back on the plane. Now he's gonna it's like now a Mr. Brooks a, type of thing, and he's gotta help his daughter. 
Yes, yes, yes. Oh my he, god. He's a commercial he's a commercial airplane pilot now. Yeah, ironically. Yeah. It is. Um that's the uh, that's Driving all the time. Uh, yeah, driving the Corvette. This movie hates Corvettes. They destroyed Corvettes, and then with the uh, the actor um, McKelty Williamson who played Baby O, it's as if they saw him in Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump. Was like, we need that same character in this movie to do the same things as Bu- as Bubba yeah. to Baby O. Yeah, <laughs> it got, is like got shot, and yeah, just we don't need a big part from you here. It's yeah, just, yeah, that's you're the emotional crux of the film. Yeah, it's crazy. We love Con Air. It is on TNT and TBS for free um, with ads. Uh, if not, if you don't want to do that, it is on Vudu uh, for $3.99 to buy and everywhere else for a little bit more expensive, which was weird because Vudu was selling it for in HD for $3.99. On iTunes, it was $17.99 for the same movie. Wow. Crazy. So check it out. We are Fear and Loathing in cinema podcast we love you uh dark room dan who develops his kills like he develops his photos he is running our instagram page he's writing reviews for boomstickcomics.com check him out he's always given the the latest deals and the latest amazing stuff for the movies and then you have pony boy himself Preston <laughs> barta he's ponying up them movie reviews and those interviews be sure to check out his fantastic interviews for mafia mama um recently they were excellent and loved them his movie reviews where he's always diving deeper inception style into them and i get to see him tonight i get to sit next to him for a fucking ari aster movie it's like christmas to me and i'm brian the hawaiian everybody gets laid then killed uh find me at highdefdigest.com <laughs> Radio show Wednesdays noon till two on Electromagnetic Radio, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Brian Kluger. We'll be back next week with another Fear and Loathing.